Stay tuned for another sports presentation on the worldwide leader of Marshall University Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Join us over the next 60 minutes as we recap last week's matchups, preview the upcoming games, make predictions, and much more. Here's your host. Welcome inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, Ben Cower on the program. It is Back Champ Week. Back on the air, yeah, Champ Week. Took a week off. No, we, we recorded. Well, we recorded it via Zoom. I forgot to post it to the SoundCloud. So you know, our picks and our talk just did not occur and go over the airwaves or on the online streaming platform, SoundCloud <laughs> I mean, and Spotify. It, but it occurred. We're back on the air. Oh, it occurred. It occurred. It, occurred. Yeah, it, occurred. Just, but, it was only our six ears that heard it. Yeah, it was only. So, um, I need to <laughs> <laughs> but but what a week it was! And now we've you made on. you made Justin use his mom's credit card to pay for to the pay Zoom. for Zoom Premium, <laughs> and then you didn't even bother to put it on. As the I had asked, what are we doing? Who who anybody have the premium Zoom? Justin said, I do. Would have been nice to know that he didn't have it before that. But well, well it would have also been nice to know that it was put on SoundCloud. Correct. We week thirteen, final regular season week of college football. Exciting week of football, and uh, we obviously have our conference championship decided. Uh Western Kentucky's going to UTSA, and we'll preview that in the back half of the show. But let's recap the final week of the the Conference USA football season. We'll start with the Friday night game. UAB took down UTEP 42-25. to second half allows UAB to win its final game of the season at home to finish the year 8-4, 6-2 in conference play. Is that their first home win? No. Okay. I don't believe so. Well, I mean, they played horrible. They, they played, beat FAU. They, horrible at home, they beat FAU and La Tech at home. So this was the, th- the okay, third home. Uh, home win for the Blazers, and it ends okay, the season on a good check note. The mask over here. I was just any, any thoughts on the on the UEB game there? Uh, other than I thought it was our first home win because you know they they've played horrendous at home this year. I think they have you know. Uh, three uh, wins now. Yeah, three. Well, about, about, well, one neutral side's so about three. three. No, FAU and La Tech were at home. Right, but I'm just saying three. I, don't, I forgot how many. Oh, yeah. Three and two at home. Um, UTEP continues the. You know, I think UTEP, I kind of thought they stabilized themselves <laughs> after the. Uh, on last Mondays, we talked about how UTEP, I think, kind of stabilized themselves. And then they come out to lose. Uh, you know. How, okay. Time for third down talk. Uh, three for thirteen on third downs for UTEP, six for fourteen. That's why you don't win the game. I mean, other than the sloppy play in the second half. But if you're if you're missing ten opportunities to convert, you know that that's uh, that, I mean that's just bad. One for one on fourth down conversions. How about this though? How about look at the rushing yards disparity? They didn't they didn't really, they didn't really use the ground attack very well, Andrew. Two twenty by UAB on the ground, and then ninety nine by, by UTEP. So I mean, you're not going to win a lot of games when there's such a disparity in in the offensive production in, in the ball game. I mean, that the at the end of the day, the total numbers are you know three or three, three twenty eight. That's not that that's not too bad. That's twenty five yards. But with, with with a team with two teams that with rushing is very important to them, that's a massive disparity. Yeah, yeah, UAB definitely controlled the ground game, and that's what they always do is to be able to run the football effectively. Uh, 41 carries total by the team, 224 scores. 
and then you complement that with uh, a, a solid passing attack. One thing I noted from this performance and, and win in, for UAB's part, didn't do it without the big play through the passing at- attack. Usually this is a Blazers team that will run, 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 then kind of hit you with a post round over the middle for 40-plus yards, but longest play was to Johnson Sanders, 20-yard. The UTEP defense held Shropshire and checked to just one catch for 12 yards, so it was a UTEP defense that did really good against the passing attack and, and what Hopkins was able to do with the running game, they were just unable to stop and eventually got to a point where in that second half when the Blazers controlled the football game and continued to play well, it was just going to be too hard for UAB or for UTEP, that, for that matter, to try to get the football back and limit the running attack because UAB had so much success with it, especially in that third end of the fourth quarter. Another interesting stat here. Talk about the time of possession difference. Normally UAB takes up most time of possession. UTEP. It was about even, yeah. About 30-56, UAB 29-04. You don't really see that when teams play UAB. All right, let's get to the Saturday slate, and um, we're going to start off with the upset, and there was an upset alert, and this was a big one. UTSA was ranked. The North Texas Mean Green, the first ones to conquer the Roadrunners, and Andrew, your thoughts on this one. Again, game didn't really mean much for UTEP in the grand scheme of things unless you want to keep the season undefeated. That 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 is no longer happening. UTEP lost the game. UTSA, yeah. UTSA, sorry. Your thoughts? Yeah, we we talked about this on the Zoom, and I think I call it a trap game one on one. It was a trap. It, it's certainly a trap game, and it didn't feel like going in that it should be because of how UTSA has played throughout the season. But when you look at this North Texas team, winners of five in a row, one of the hotter teams in Conference USA, they get to bowl eligible now, winning those five Don't in a row yeah. to be six and six. This meant more to North Texas than than it did to UTSA, and that's why the Mean Green won the football game. But honestly, I did not see this coming, especially with the way this game got out of hand so quickly. Just listen to some of these numbers, 340 and six scores. For the North Texas Mean Green on the ground, Ragsdale and Torrey over 250 combined and five touchdowns on 40 combined carries. It was 45-13 to 13 at the end of the third quarter. Like you look at that score and you're like, man, North Texas is back. They're playing some good football. And then you just don't, you just realize, dang, North, UTSA just did not have it. It was a rainy game there in Denton. It just did not play well into the hand of UTSA. So credit the mean green for finishing the season strong but again it's one of those situations where and it looks like utsa play a lot of their guys because they're trying to win every game they can they're not going to yeah. go out there and no, bench I their guys because they're in the championship but harris 7 of 14 59 yards he couldn't really do much mccormick was fine on the ground 12 carries 60 yards is good but kind of just one dimensional a little bit in the passing attack couldn't get going against a mean green defense that maybe has improved throughout the season this was definitely a shocking performance but and it almost now makes it seem like when we get into the CUSA talk in the championship here later on throughout the show, concern for UTSA with how that performance goes. Does that help? Does that affect how they approach this week? Does it help them? You know, what does that do for that locker room to go on the road and just get smacked by a team that was just trying to get bowl eligible that was a tough loss and it's certainly going to be interesting to see how does this team respond and what do people think about that game as you know well, we, the know, we, we, we already know what the committee thinks yeah they, they booted them out of the rankings and the media put, and the ap people booted them right out yeah i mean that, that's what they, happens i mean, I mean they, they dropped 12 they dropped oh, oh we don't know where they are in the receiving votes if I, I haven't looked to see if they were receiving votes on the ap poll 
that's what happens when you lose to a team that's below 500 in mid-major football. And you get, and you take the nice slide. But Andrew, here's my big concern. All right, hit to do. We're going third downs two games in a row, but we got to do it here. One for 13. Yeah. Some of that, it's the rain. You can't operate as you normally want to because of the weather conditions. But you are a championship caliber football team. You got embarrassed. Every player in that locker room should be holding account. They need to have a players-only meeting this week before the championship game. Be like, if we want to get to our goal, we cannot play sloppy football. We cannot be one for thirteen on down to think we're going to get the trophy. So yeah, major problem. And you look at it: twenty-seven first downs. That's not too bad. Three sixty-six for UTSA. But I, I'll be the first to say it. I have major concerns about the Roadrunners heading to this week. And I, I just wanted to clarify on the point that you made, Justin, where we didn't quite know where they were in the rankings after this week. Yeah. So, again, no clue where they but, were on the on the. We don't know the CFP because they do those yeah. by sixes. We don't yeah. know where they were. But on the AP poll, uh, by my math, they would have been 27th because they were. That's not that bad. 20, votes, 25, yeah. 25 is Kentucky, and then the others receiving votes. Uh, Wisconsin got 68. And then UTSA got 58, and they're ahead of everybody else. So they probably would have been 27th on the ranking. Well, that's not that bad, though. I mean, it's a 12-point drop, and we'll see this week if you win, do they go back up. But I think the big—when you come to this point, though, the committee, and the committee just took you right out of it, and you were super—this is more embarrassing for UTSA. The teams the committee put in are not that good. I mean, that's what happens when you lose to a, at the time, 5-6 and six team yep. that was battling for bowl eligibility. As an, as an, undefeated, as an undefeated team in a non-power yep. conference. So. And so now the Mean Green hopefully will be going bowling because, again, there's, eight, there's 82 bowl games. 83 teams are bowl eligible. Somebody's going to have to get left out. Yeah, 82 teams. We already got one matchup. Forty-one set. bowl games, so eighty-two got, teams so we can 80, play. We got eighty spots left yeah. to fill. We'll so see. Someone's still, have, the, still a good accomplishment for the Mean Green to go on the run. And there's another team that we're going to talk about now that has accomplished the same feat. And that is the Old Dominion Monarchs. Surprisingly, though, of five and row. I was surprised by North Texas too. I would. I thought they were dead in the water at one and six too. But even more so, Old Dominion six and six. They win five straight to become bowl eligible in what is a blowout victory over Charlotte, 56-34. to Scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to put away the 49ers. It was a 35-34 game, and Old Dominion scored three touchdowns in the final six and a half minutes to win that football game. What a performance. I mean, a lot of points put up by this Monarchs team that for a while there, we were talking about, can they find things out at quarterback? Can they run the football enough? But the defense scored points. Hayden Wolf seems comfortable at the starting quarterback spot, and Blake Watson continues to be an excellent running back. This was a coming-out party. I think this was their big, we're back, we're here in Conference USA, we're going to be going to the Sun Belt, or as the kids call it, the Fun Belt, in a couple years. This was their chance, and Hayden Wolf's a freshman. He's got three more years of eligibility. Yeah, this was a dominant performance. This is what they needed to do, and... I think any if Old Dominion finished five and seven, the year would have been remarkable. But now you have a chance to go bowling after not playing football last year. One of the I think one of the only teams that did not play football in Division One FBS. 
and now you and now you have a chance for a bowl game. That's it, it's an incredible story, and, I, and maybe they'll make the movie out of it one day because it, it, it's something else. But Wolf, I think, is the guy at quarterback. He's he's got a lot of potential. He goes three twenty eight, you know, four eight on third downs. But you know, Ben, I think we you, you you've been hyping up Charlotte all year. This is disappointing if you're Will Healy that team. Oh yeah. I mean, Will Healy is rumored for a certain job at Duke. I've already there's already papers coming out about him going to Duke, but it, for a team like Charlotte, who was expected to be very good this year and be in, you know, bowl eligible, this is a disappointing season. Well, it's because it's because they haven't been able to do anything away from home, and they're away game and markers, play defense and they, play defense. I mean, they they just they can't win road games they they have yeah. not been able to do it all season long and that stayed true all the way till the end yeah and we met in the defense obviously losers of five of its final six games this was a short team we were talking about early yeah, november yeah. Yeah. or even early november could still win the conference east division now you're sitting in a situation where you're tied for second to last with another team that's going to be a disappointment in FAU, and we'll hit on their game here in a moment. But not going bowling either. Tough, yeah, not, what a tough end for a Charlotte team. Again, this is a program that since we started kind of doing this, and I've followed Conference USA, where been slowly on the rise, and this is almost one of those points where you hope it doesn't stand and just kind of end at a six year, a six seven win program. You hope it gets back to the eight nine, maybe even ten win level at some point because. This team got off to a good start. They beat Duke at home. Yeah. First Power 5 win. Yeah, I, it's you know, gonna, everything I, was riding good, so now it's just a question mark. Okay, moving forward, what do you do? Because Reynolds is probably not going to come back. Victor Tucker's probably not going to come back. Those are your two top playmakers on offense. What does this do for Charlotte's And now you got a coach that's forward? being rumored for new jobs. And keep in mind, they're, that going, help. they're going to the American, so it's only yeah, going to get more they difficult. they got to get going. But, uh, yeah, you know Want to get FAU now? Because I was going to make, I was gonna make one more point about Old Dominion. Okay, too. sure. This is this was a really. I mean, I'm I'm impressed with what the Monarchs are able to do. And a large part we mentioned the quarterback and the running back, Ollie Jennings, 252 receiving yards, three touchdowns. That's a man's performance right there. Nine catches as well. He seemed to be the go-to guy and transfer from West Virginia. So you expect a guy from the Power Five that played a little bit there um, to make an impact, and he certainly was the go-to guy in this Charlotte win. So. Future's bright for the Monarchs. Tell you what, I next agree. year they're going to be a team to reckon with in what could be a loaded East Division in, in most years is. But just want to hit on that because he, he has played well over the past couple of games, but it really showed out this week when he was able to get in the end zone three times. I was going to say something. I was going to wait till we get to FAU so, I don't be, okay. so I'm not redundant. Um, FIU Southern Miss. This was a fun one to watch, even though nobody watched it. Uh, <laughs> Southern Miss takes be down nice. FIU. How about Southern Miss? Listen to this number. The Golden Eagles win their final two games without a quarterback. Played the UTSA, La Tech, and FIU games without a quarterback. Go two and one. Before That's that, not bad. before that, one and eight with a quarterback. Just just think about that. Frank Gore Jr. at the helm, at quarterback, leads the Golden Eagles to back to back wins. He goes four of five, eighty-one yards and two touchdowns. What a performance! Yeah, and, and you talk about it, it's the end of an era in FIU with Butch. This is being his final game. If you're Butch Davis, this is embarrassing. This is not how you want to go out. You kind of want to, you want kind of the troops to rally around you. As Coach Ralph said, get one for the Gipper, but they didn't want to get one. So for their head coach, and you know, is Frank Gore Jr. the guy going forward? We'll see. I don't. I don't think he will be, but. How about this? 444 total yards of offense, 122 through the air, 322 on the ground. 
So Southern Miss, you know, I think at the beginning, at, before they did this, we were like, okay, you know, they're pulling in Johnny from the stands. Okay, Johnny, go take a couple passes. Let's see how you do. But, yeah, you know, a good way to turn around at year's end, but since this is their last football episode, we'll talk about Southern Miss until until the spring, until the, until April when we have, like, spring games. We'll talk about a game on signing day, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll talk about recruiting classes, that sorts. They got to get a quarterback. Oh, certainly. They, There's many teams in the conference that need a quarterback. I'm interested to see, like, how many quarterbacks do they get? They, they, can't, they can't, they they don't, they cannot afford just to get one quarterback. I'm going to be looking for, like, two, maybe three quarterbacks for the Golden Eagles coming into the coming into recruiting you know if i had to make a point here i you're allowed to i'm allowed okay yes you are a member of the show if uh you know them closing out the season this strong with such an odd offensive strategy it shows the talent of will hall where oh yeah i mean it it, because the guy is you know as we've said before really a qb he's a qb guy you know and this year they've had an unreal amount of struggles at the qb position and the fact that he's able to take a running back and turn them into a, a game-winning QB, albeit on such an odd strategy, you know, this is impressive. It's legitimately impressive. They did, they did not give up until the bitter end, and they won games. They turned it around at the end with such an odd offensive strategy. And that's what I had said a few weeks back when they took UTSA down to the wire there and made that game close. Is that's good coaching from Will Hall because when your team is, at the time, 1-8, you're playing UTSA, but you're like, oh, wait, we're down to our fourth quarterback. He found a way. He was like, okay, guys, throw everything out what we've done. We'll worry about that next fall or into the spring. We're changing. We're doing this this week. Try to beat this team. That's a sign of a good coach, but also a guy that wants to win and tries to he figure out to- anything. That's a good sign. I'm impressed. But also, they're going Old to the Sun Belt. Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and North Texas are the three teams that finish the year well. I agree. Because I agree with you. and the records won't show that, but Southern Miss. I mean, that locker room is probably mu- in a much better situation than it was coming into the month of November. Whereas now you win two in a row, you're feeling a little bit better. Maybe some teams be like, "Oh, I like what Will Hall's doing, and I'm impressed with the culture that he's trying to build there." Now, and the same can be said with Latrell at North Texas and Old Dominion and their head coach there. So I forget his name, but Ricky Ronnie. Ronnie, yeah. So they've got. Those three teams, I'm certainly impressed. But this is a big would, win for the Golden Eagles. Just uh, moving forward, these are those are good wins. At the end of that list, I would maybe consider adding Middle Tennessee too, because they. Well, I we're mean, gonna get the stocks. They were second, they were yeah. solid to end the year. I don't think it was quite as solid as the three you Correct. listed. But I'd list in the they, second. I'd say level. they were number four okay. on that list. But uh, and FIU's already begun the assistance dump. Their assistant coaches are already saying their goodbye messages and getting out of town because. New coaches coming to town. Little Christmas present for the Panthers. All right, let's get on to uh, the next game. Andrew, Andrew didn't like that. All right, are you? Are I was you laughing. Gonna, are I you going to coach there, Justin? <laughs> Why not? Uh, you keep on saying Coach Zimmer. Yeah, they need a coach, and they're you know they're in a bit of shambles as a program right now. Maybe they need somebody, somebody resilient to go take that job. Somebody with the drive and the passion. All right, let's get Justin this. Zimmer. <laughs> If they want to call, they they can call here. <laughs> uh, let's get to the next game on it uh, on the conference USA slate, and we're and we're gonna go. We're, we're, now I already lost where I'm on, on the score on Rice Law Tech. We're good. Rice Law Tech. Well, well, we'll we'll address Rice winning first, and then we'll get to the elephant in the room, and the we'll we'll get to that in, in our second segment. Rice wins. They finish the year four and eight. 
Andrew, your thoughts on this? Yeah, weird game. Both teams were trying different younger quarterbacks out there. J.D. Head got the start for La Tech. He's got the start the last couple of games uh, recently there for La Tech. So he got the start, did Head, three touchdowns, three picks. Um, on Rice's side, T.J. McMahon, young player, sophomore from the JUCO level, transfers in. He throws two touchdowns and an interception. So some younger guys got some reps. And I think moving forward, this is a quality win for Rice. They get some good running back production from particularly Cameron Montgomery, who's got a awesome frame, by the way. 5'5", 160. That's Darren Sproles 2.0 right there. He runs the football well. 10 carries, 95 yards, 2 touchdowns. They list him as a wide receiver, but he took a bunch of snaps at running back and had success. Um, and then a guy on the outside that had success, Cedric Patterson, the third senior, able to catch 5 balls for 93 yards and 2 touchdowns in the win. I saw a, a number, not a number, but a document that had a list of the guys that Mike Bloomgren has lost at Rice to the transfer okay. portal. It is a it's your a favorite thing. Well, it's a big list. Last year, Blaze Aldridge, one of the best defensive players in Conference USA transfers. August Petrie, the third, one of their top wide receivers heading into this season, or one of the good guys that they've had in the program. He's transferring out of the program after this loss, so that's been his thing, really. He's just lost a lot of pieces to the portal, but continues to at least make this team competitive throughout the years and it's good to see them wrap up with a victory here at four and eight and la tech we'll mention it skip holtz is out um we'll hit hit that a little bit here in in a moment but uh you know he's out now they go three and nine so that's another program where Uh, kind of in an awkward position where they're not used to being in a tough way to go out but Again, these were two teams. Well, he we're w- trying to play some younger guys to get a look. Okay, what's the future look like? And Rice just had the, the ultimate uh, end all, end all to get to that win and, and win that football game. I think this game meant more for. I'm not going to assess La Tech, Andrew, because they just made a change and everything that happened on Saturday is about basically now. I don't want to say garbage, but there's a new coach coming in. Everything's going to change there. Rice, as of right now, Latrell staying. You know. Magic December's coming up, and more guys are probably be out of a job, and we'll see what happens with Bloomgren's situation if if he stays or not. But you know, you put new quarterbacks in to kind of see what happened. But this game's kind of hard to evaluate for me, at least for La Tech, Andrew. I don't I don't want to be unfair to them because they just got a new coach, and so. But we'll touch on that in the second segment. But yeah. Skip Holtz is out, and they wasted no time getting their new guy. We'll talk about that in the second segment. Let's get to the. Let's get to the next game on the CUSA slate. Middle, how about this? How about this, boys? There were four matchups that for bowl eligibility. Yep, two were in this. Two conference. in conference USA. This is the second. Middle Tennessee is going bowling in Florida Atlantic and Charlotte are going to be having a nice Christmas, Ben and Andrew. They're going to be having a nice Christmas. They're going to be sitting on their couches and watching football. Not where they want to be, but let's get to your thought on this game, Andrew, because Middle Tennessee now going bowling, and they're going to have a nice stay at the Atlantis Resort in the Bahamas. This was one of those football games where I thought, okay, FAU probably figures things a little bit out here and gets to a bowl game, but what Coach Stock still has done with Middle Tennessee State when he lost Bailey Hickman or Hawkman back earlier in the year, his NCC transfer stepped away from football. They went away from him. Chase Cunningham gets hurt after he had a lot of success on the midpoint of the season there in October and then Mike DeLello takes over and his kind of approach to these games has been kind of a run first mentality he's more of the running quarterback they've got Nick Badiato 
there it is well he's a freshman so they've kind of gone a two quarterback system at times here down the stretch and it's worked because did it again on saturday yeah it did they both combined for 24 completions and 39 attempts both went over 100 yards delello had the touchdown pass and a touchdown run but the approach was good because delello is just not your typical scramble or a running quarterback he can throw the football too and they can mix in more of their regular, not air raid system, but more of their generic spread offense system when Vatiado's in because he's more of your pocket passer and can spread the ball around and a bunch of different guys kind of pass in this game. So wh- I like what Coach Stock still has done kind of in this season. And Ben mentioned another one of those teams that's had a lot of success here down the stretch in the season to get bowl eligible and also to come back and win this football game. This was a team that was down... 10 points or excuse me 7 points in the fourth quarter outscores middle 7 or outscores FAU 17 to nothing in that fourth quarter this was an impressive win and good for coach Stockton to get his guys back to a bowl game yeah. tough on a FAU's part though because who would have thought this team would be 5 and 7 when you get a guy like Nikosi Perry into the program from Miami who was recruited highly then you get Johnny Ford from USF this was a team that was supposed to win the east and really I, mean, I had them struggled. I had them winning the east yeah and a I, lot of people did you know, I think they need they need both. I'm gonna play both Tiger and Healy here for a second. Both co- I think both those coaches kind of need to sit in the offseason and kind of reevaluate at the end of the season because I think they both crashed and burned at the end and their teams got out of it. So, but yeah, Middle Tennessee and they already know where they're going. They're gonna have a nice weekend in the Bahamas, boys. Yep. The Atlanta says the, the resort they're gonna be staying at has a nice golf course. So, so you know that, of course. Of course. Well, you, I thought you would know that too. You're, you're a golfer, but uh, two for three on first down for F, fourth down for FAU, one for two. But they got their guy Dillello in. Uh, should we say who they're playing? They're going to be playing Toledo. Toledo, December seventeenth. Yeah. That's a whole. We'll, we'll pick and talk those games next in week. next week's show. But that, that's our fun yeah. episode. The only only one bowl game settled at the moment. That's why, obviously. Yeah, but uh, and you see those? They showed. They posted the video of them and the team when they found out. Yep. Those guys are hype. Oh yeah, those guys. Those guys. Work, a- another game. Yep. Go d- go down there, and when you get to bowl games, it's fun. You know, you, you get a week with the boys. Yep. I mean, they're going to a nice place to play a bowl game in the Bahamas. So certainly, that should be exciting th- for them. Ab- yeah. How about how about this final game we'll talk about here? This decided who would face UTSA in the Conference USA Championship. Western Kentucky handily in the second half took down Marshall 53 to 21 believe it or not it was 14 six and a half but the big moment in the game that changed everything kind of Grant Wells blindsided by star defensive end D'Angelo Malone who hit Wells and didn't hit him in a bad area but Wells left the game never returned we don't really know his injury status well we'll see when Huff comes back to the podium if he yeah he, uh, there are no there are no press we, conferences we, we, this we've week we've not so. heard from Huff since Saturday night but. but Wells was knocked out of the football game did not return and Western Kentucky kind of just took that and ran with it scored 36 unanswered two field goals in the second quarter 23 points in the third quarter and an early fourth quarter touchdown went up 36-14. Luke Saban, the backup quarterback for the herd, gave Marshall a chance there. Touchdown early in the fourth, cut it to 15, but the ensuing onside kick was taken into the end zone by the Hilltoppers. They run away at the victory, 53-21. But man, Marshall's defense held strong for that first half against one of the more potent offenses in college football, but just wasn't enough against Bailey Zappi's crew. I've had some. I've had some time to think about this game. To be honest with you, 
I think we realized how much of a, a the lifeblood was this that team. Because when we when he went out, I think that's I think the guys just kind of quit. Uh, just just to be honest with you, I think they kind of realized like, oh, okay, we don't have our guy. We can't. We don't. We haven't really played with Zaban as the starter. And they kind of let they kind of let the emotions of losing Wells get away from them a little bit. And Western Kentucky was able to feed off of that, and they were able to be dominant. Bailey Zappi is a phenomenal quarterback, yep. and Andrew and Ben. We were talking in the pre-show. I feel bad he can't get the Davy O'Brien. He is the, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And he can't. And I get feel it. bad he can't win the Heisman. Well, Andrew said he was interested. You, you, you know, his numbers are off the charts, and I'll just read them off to you here briefly. Fifty-two touchdowns. He is. 32 yards from 5,000. Like, we're talking about some historic numbers. Nine interceptions this season. A completion percentage right at 70. Yeah. And it's incredible what he's done. And you think about it, you compare it maybe to Joe Burrow's numbers a couple of seasons back. Limit Joe geez. Burrow's throwing to five-star recruits. I know that SEC defense is a little bit different, but Zappi's throwing to Houston Baptist transfers, yeah. under-recruited guys that end up here at mid-major schools. And he's having similar success against Conference USA teams, but there's some good defenses we know in Conference USA. And yeah. Zappi put up some quality numbers. And you even go to the two Power Five games, Michigan State, Indiana. He put up jaw-dropping numbers. I think, oh, maybe this Western Kentucky offense is for well, real. And that was early in the year, so well, I'm impressed. He should win the Heisman in my vote if I had one. He is. I mean, he's first in all of college football yeah. in yardage and touchdowns. Yep. He has, as you said, near 5,000 yards and 52 touchdowns. First in all of, first place in all of college football of all QBs. It's a no doubter that he's winning Conference USA MVP. He deserves it. It is no doubt. I mean, Rasheen Ali's got a bunch of touchdowns, but Ali will win freshman. I think Ali will win freshman of the year, as he should. Yeah, and Ali probably wins USA MVP if there's no Zappy. You know, this is a rarity. I mean, you think back, Case Keenum here in Conference USA, Brandon Daughtery. Uh, a good player here from Western, or not from here, but Western Kentucky. Especially broke a lot of known records. Especially compared to Westerns last year at yeah, QB. At Corp- I mean, that, that, and that's the thing, too, because Pigram last year struggled, but then you, this year it's like, oh, system changes, here comes a quarterback and a few receivers, and now they've got a top-five offense? How? You know, that's why it's impressive to me, because he's the most valuable player. You take Zappi off the roster, they're 5-7 and seven again. You know, they're, they're a bad team. They're not playing for a Conference USA championship game. I'm impressed. He, he he did struggle in the first half against Marshall. Marshall made him uncomfortable. He started yeah. the game like 4 of 13 or 14. He just was off. He wasn't well, making yeah. good passes. But as soon as he got in a rhythm and hit the deep ball, he was locked in and, and had things rolling for those Hilltoppers. And probably not going to get drafted. But if any team picks him up as an undrafted free agent. He may, he may get drafted. He, well, he could. He I could. mean, well, think I mean, about the quarterback you, class. Like Spencer Rattler was one of the – Top yeah, quarterbacks, and he's not even well, started. When you're when you are first place in all of college football of all QBs for touchdowns to and yardage, out. that yeah. kind of that stands out a little. There's bit. a lot That's of film. Not, it's not every day you see a guy leading in both categories yep. from like a small regional school, and then he just goes undrafted. Somebody will probably take a chance on him. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take a break. Come back. We'll talk college basketball and Conference USA, as well as a couple of coaching yeah. hires and and stories there. Next on Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. In today's economy, it's just as common for companies to merge and go out of business as it is for workers to change jobs. As a result, retirement plans can be left behind, lost or forgotten about until it's time for workers to retire. 
Even in the best of circumstances, workers can have questions about or problems with their retirement plans, but not know where to turn for help. That's where Pension Help America comes in. Found online at pensionhelp.org, Pension Help America connects Americans to resources that can help them find answers to questions about their retirement plans. By guiding you through a simple series of questions, Pension Help America will put you on the path to finding the help you need. Pension Help America is a website of the Pension Rights Center, a nonprofit consumer organization dedicated to protecting and promoting the retirement security of American workers, retirees, and their families. If you have a question about your retirement plan, visit pensionhelp.org. That's pensionhelp.org. A public service message from the Pension Rights Center. It's important that healthcare providers, including doctors and nurses, either wash their hands with soap and water or use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer both before and after they touch you. Healthcare providers know to practice hand hygiene, but sometimes they forget. You and your loved ones can play a role by asking and reminding healthcare providers to wash their hands, especially while they're caring for you. They don't mind being asked to wash their hands. They want to prevent infections as much as you do. A message from the CDC. This is former Marshall men's basketball player and CIT champion Rondell Watson. And you listen to the worldwide leader in Marshall University Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome back inside Conference USA on this championship week. Alongside Andrew Rogers and Ben Coward, Justin Zimmer here. Uh, we got some coaching news to talk about. Again, this is inside Conference USA. We're, we're, we're going to start off with Jacksonville State. They're coming into Conference USA, and Andrew, they bring in a West Virginia legend, Rich Rodriguez. He's tasked to bring. He's tasked as of right now to move the move Jacksonville State from FCS to FBS. What, what, what are your thoughts on the hire? Yeah, certainly uh, was kind of surprised by it at first to see him get back uh, and get hired there, but. Um, you call him a legend. I don't know if he's a legend, Justin. He left us for Michigan or left WVU for Michigan, but um, obviously gives him another opportunity to. Bless excuse him. me. Yeah, I sneeze there. Um, gives him another opportunity to coach. And when you think about his track record, he left Michigan, went to Arizona, coached there from I think twelve to seventeen, yeah, and he was at Ole Miss for a year. Um, they were Kiffin, or was it? They were Kiffin, maybe. He might have been. Yeah. Uh, Matt Luke. Matt Luke, yep, 2019. Um, and then UL Monroe before he gets this job. Sure, so, right. as, as an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach with UL Monroe. So, I think a quality hire and getting a guy like of his name in the Conference USA now at Jacksonville State can help create a bigger brand. And you think maybe he can help get that program back and competitive. It could be a tough challenge. You know, they moved to FBS in 2023. I think this is a smart hiring. You're kind of going with someone who has veteran experience at the FBS level to kind of soothe the transition in, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Again, they're they're they're, they're going to be in the group of five, in, in FCS next year, but FBS. But at least getting a veteran head coach to kind of help maybe the transition out might be beneficial for the, for them going forward. Yeah. All right, let's get to the surprising situation here, boys. Uh, Friday night, Louisiana Tech's announced Skip Holtz out of a job. How about this, Ben and Andrew? It only took them five days to get their new to get their new knight in shining armor. They bring in Sonny Cumbrell. He was the assistant interim head coach at Texas Tech. He's now in Ruston, Louisiana. Thoughts on this hire? Because they spent really no time getting their guy. Yeah, it makes me seem like okay, maybe Skip Holtz maybe knew he was probably headed out the door, maybe. But also that Law Tech had their mindset a while back that we're moving on from him, and maybe he didn't know that. Maybe he did. Who knows? But um, he, I'm sure in the back of his mind, he's probably consider, he's thinking about that. But it's a Texas Tech or it's a lot of Tech situation where I think they knew 
we're on, we're going to make a move, so maybe let's just start thinking about it and not interviewing people, but let's make our list and kind of make notes of what we think. And this is a guy they get in Sonny Cumbie from Texas Tech, took over at the end of October for Matt Wells. He got fired at the at Texas Tech. Cumbie was the was the new interim head coach there, and in a situation where. You know, you have a chance to get a guy that Texas Tech thought, okay, you can help lead our football team the rest of the way. They think as Power 5 capability to get him and hire him. I think it's a good hire because I think the more you wait, you get a lesser guy. You may have to go down to the Division two ranks or just somebody else that doesn't have coaching experience where you get a guy, but at the Power 5 level, knows what it's like maybe to win and get success at that level. And he's young, only 40 years old. So you get a young, relatively young coach that, that has been a part of some good offenses, has played, obviously, uh, spent some seasons there at Texas Tech, so it is quick. But I think doing this, they realize, okay, maybe if we you don't go re- after him, you also got early signing day coming up in a couple of weeks. Exactly. So the, if you get a guy sooner, then he can go out there and be like, okay, I want you, 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 because maybe those guys went to Texas Tech because of Sonny, and now they're thinking, okay, if he's going to Law Tech, I'll go play for him. You know, I like that school, or I like him. It's worth it. Let's do that. So I understand it. It's quick and kind of like thrown at you. They're like, oh, didn't expect that. But I think it's a good hire overall and moving forward to get a guy in there, start helping that culture, and maybe get a couple of guys that Texas Tech had gotten to this La Tech team could certainly help moving forward. Another big component of all this is, especially in the past week, with there's been a lot of coaching hires in the past couple days, and it's really been boom, boom, boom. Th- about Lincoln, Saturday night at, in Oklahoma. Monday afternoon, he's in the Coliseum going fight on. Brian Kelly, he leaves Notre Dame to LSU. You gotta go quick now. And Lot Tech, you know, Lincoln Riley. I'm gonna, I'm gonna paraphrase what Lincoln Riley said here, but he said, "In this day of college football, with coaching, hiring, and changes, you gotta go like this. You don't have time to sit around and wait." FIU, that's the only vacancy at the moment that is still open. We'll see how FIU goes with their timeline. Please. No, I was, I was just gonna say it's the, it's the coaching realignment alongside the. Yeah, all the teams realignment. Everybody's shifting around. I don't. I don't think anybody expected this to happen, but I mean, some shocking moves. But there's a lot of realignment going on in college football this year. A lot of movement. All right, let's get to uh, college basketball uh, this week. We're we're about. Would you say at the midway point through non-conference play? I think we're we're, about... we're we're close to it. And honestly, like there's some this this toward this end of November, and when you get to Thanksgiving week, there are usually good things happen. In Lot terms of getting some quality yeah. tournaments, you get those multi-invitational things. North Texas had a good win, had good chances to beat Kansas, Miami. Were unable to do so in some of those games, but it gets those teams that opportunity to play some quality teams at a neutral site and get an idea. Okay, what do you guys have in store? What can you do against some quality opponents? So we'll go through here. Standings: six and one, FIU and Middle Tennessee State. Those were two of the worst teams in the East Division last year. They're both six and one off to good starts so far. Marshall's four and two. Yeah. Western Kentucky Marshall four action and tonight, three. Though. Yeah, Marshall plays Akron. We'll get to the schedule here in a little bit. Uh Charlotte three and three. FAU three and four. Old Dominion three and five in the West. UAB five and two. La Tech UTEP four and two. The Roadrunners UTSA five and three. Southern Miss four and three. Rice four and four. North Texas three and three no real notable wins when i went through to kind of look at uh marshall lost by 11 to indiana put up a good fight that was a good game though i mean yeah yeah, just couldn't guard trace jackson davis he was a man and you talk about a lot of you you, you were talking about this monday a lot of interior play they're gonna be seeing a lot of interior play inside conferences so so that's the problem right now if you can 
if you're struggling in the non-conference game and a lot of your conference is built on interior play, so a little concerns with Marshall. NC State almost got upset by La Tech. That was this past Saturday as well. North Texas took down Drake in the ESPN events invitation to wrap up that event. ECU last night beat Old Dominion by a point. Tonight, some quality games. Marshall's going to go to Akron at 7. Florida Gulf Coast at FIU. Uh, your boys. Yep, they're off 6-2, and two, Zimmer. Well, you like they the got 6-1 and one FIU battle of Florida right there. We got an Eagles fan over here, by the way. Boys UAB, East Tennessee State, both those teams are 5-2. and two. Week ahead, I don't think there's too many big matchups heading into the weekend. Marshall's going to host Duquesne. Western Kentucky plays Eastern Kentucky. Some Conference USA schools there. And Western Kentucky has a story, too. Cameron Justice is back with Western Kentucky. We'll mention more of that. When we talk more basketball uh, into the spring or into the Jan- month of January and moving forward, Old Dominion's got George Mason. Yeah, so there's that, some good that, that games, but overall, oh, you got Duquesne Marshall. Duquesne's, yeah, a, very, Duquesne's yep. a very good. They are solid. Good school. In so the eight, there's ten, some quality opponents and some schools are off to good starts, and you don't expect anybody to stay undefeated too long. There's no undefeated teams left UTEP's in got Conference Kansas USA County. basketball. So how about next Tuesday night? UTEP and Charlotte taking on ranked teams. I see that, yeah. UTEP taking on number 8, Kansas. Uh, Charlotte taking on number 9, number 10, UTEP, UTEP went to Kansas last year, too, and almost left with a victory. And that actually went they went to Arizona State, too, and almost left yeah. there with a victory. So that's a team that's had success on the road. Miners 4-2 and two there. We'll take one more break, come back, have a special guest coming on the program here, as well as to talk Conference USA Championship football next on Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. What I say, you already know, but you don't believe. You won't accept, you don't conceive. When you're inside your car, you feel safest of all. Are you safe? Are you? Two tons of sheet metal in your hands. Two tons don't run on autopilot. You have a mission. It's no collision. Hold the phone. Don't text. You're angling to be next. Oh, you've done it before. What's the harm? Just this once, there's no alarm. Got your hands on the wheel? No big deal. Brothers and sisters, you won't see it coming. You're off the road. Your life explodes. It's not worth it. Don't do it. You only think there's nothing to it. Put it down. Hang up. Pay attention to highway action. Behind the wheel, there is no such thing as a small distraction. Join the conversation at DecideToDrive.org, a public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, who would rather help keep your bones strong than put them back together. You feel like you've known your man forever. You know his full name, his nickname, his pet names. You know his birthday. He likes old school rap more than R&B and anything his mama cooks. Yeah, you feel like you've known your man forever. But that doesn't mean you know everything about him. Of all the women living with HIV in the U.S., about 66% are African-American. And most of these women got HIV by having unprotected sex with a man. The good news is more and more women are stepping up and getting tested for HIV. Women just like you who know they have to look out for themselves. Get an HIV test. Whatever the result, there are treatment and support programs available in your community. To find out where you can get a free HIV test, visit HIVtest.org slash take charge or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. That's 1-800-232-4636. If you've had unprotected sex, get tested for HIV. Take charge. Take the test. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. 
I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old the for flu. The media is exaggerating. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. This is former martial catcher Rachel Folden, and you're listening to the worldwide leader in martial athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome back inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, Ben Cower here with you. Got a guest. Not really a guest, though, because he helped start this Inside Conference USA program. Didn't tell Justin about it. I wanted to want to make it a surprise for him. I had to tell Ben Cowher because he had to help get us on, him on the air. But Nick, how are you? Nick Verzellini with us here. I am doing well. How are you doing? Well, we're doing well as always. You should have seen the smile on Justin Zimmer's face across the classroom studio. He was like, who? We got a guest? <laughs> what? I mean... Look, Andrew, I've had you on the Sports Minute probably like four or five times now, so it's about time I made my return. And from my understanding, this is a Justin suggestion, so thank you, Justin. It was, yeah. He's been he's been begging for it since week one. Back in August, he was like, when's Nick coming on the show? Well, special week, it's champ week. Yeah, I mean, it is champ week. Uh, two great teams playing um, Western Kentucky talked a lot about their offense and how efficient they've been, and then on the UCSA side of things, uh, obviously, kind of a surprise team, I think, of how well they've played. So, uh, it's a great matchup, I think, for the Conference USA Championship. I want to ask you something, and we'll kind of make this just told, just kind of talk instead of kind of making an interview session here, Nick, but, uh, how much have you watched between these two teams? Because obviously the numbers will stand out about Western Kentucky. What stands out about UTSA is being undefeated most of the way through. But what have you seen from these two teams throughout the season? You don't lie to us. You haven't seen much. You haven't seen much. But what have you kind of seen from these two teams uh, that's got made them so successful and gotten to this point? Well, I've kept an eye on them, Andrew, but I haven't really watched a ton. I've watched a little bit of the Western Kentucky Marshall game, but obviously, you know, call Shepherd games every week, so uh, don't have a ton of time to just sit down and watch yeah. college football like I might have had before. Uh, but Bailey Zappi, obviously, an elite quarterback uh, with over 50 touchdowns on the season. And I think that has allowed the Hilltoppers to be very successful because if you remember the game that we did last year, you know, that offense, especially throwing the football, was just dreadful to watch. Yep. And UTSA, it's just been, you know, having a lot of guys hurt and getting better at their game right there and coming back. Now, is he going to be able to play in game? I think will be a key because I believe he got hurt, right? Yep. yep. So, if he's able to play, I think UTSA wins this one. But if not, I think the Hilltoppers, because they've been playing not only great offensively, but really pretty good defensively over the last few weeks based on what I've seen. Uh, only allowing about 21 or points or under in the rest of their games with their offense. Yeah, that's going to get it done. Yeah, Nick. Let's talk, let's talk about UTSA here for a second. A lot of a lot of the season, you know, they've been undefeated. McCormick, you know, they kind of fell for the trap game a week ago. 
do you think there's any concern in San Antonio? I mean, you kind of lose to a five and seven North Texas, now six and six North, North Texas team, and now you play an elite offense like Western Kentucky. Oh, I think absolutely there's a concern for UTSA. The main concern is Frank Harris' status. Um, because I think they probably find a way to win that game if he's able to play the full time. But also just to, you know, not finish the season strong, as we know, uh, you know covering Marshall is never a good thing, right? Uh, the herd you know, entered the Steven State title game on uh, the Rice loss. Right, and then that was their second trade, and then they ended the season with three straight losses. So you never want to get upset in the final week of the season heading into the Conference Tuesday Championship. One one thing to talk about here before we go around and, and make our predictions and, and thoughts on this game, because we've kind of talked about it too leading up to uh, talking with you here, but a team that when you look at Conference USA and standings-wise that impressed you the most and, and kind of stands out to you when the season ends now, obviously regular season's over with just Western Kentucky and UTSA left playing in, in a conference, meaningful conference game, but what stands out, what team stands out from what you saw this season that you're like, oh, I did not expect this, and then a team that kind of lowered your expectations and think, oh, I didn't expect them to kind of, you know, struggle throughout most of this season. What, what stood out and what didn't? Oh, I think two teams stand out. I'll go with one in each division. I'll say, uh, you know, Old, Old Dominion have a winning record conference play. I did not see that coming. Um, and I know they finished the season really strong. I didn't expect it to be very good. I think you have taken a little bit of a step in the right direction this year. It was pretty impressive. Uh, the teams that kind of disappointed, obviously, my rice balance. Uh, you know, as they go on step. That basketball season year, but he knew that they needed to replace the quarterback. And Marshall was a little bit disappointing. I think at times it was the way they ended uh, with the top losses. So games that weren't with the play, it seemed to be a much Ben, I want you to go through our records. We only have one game to pick this week. Um, and then the bowl games, but I want Nick to hear these records too. Nick, you should have heard it earlier in the year because oh, it was no. bad. I mean, yeah, I was. Is. I was beating him out of the water with ease, but now I think Ben's making a comeback. But go ahead. Yeah, I've, I've made a little bit of a comeback. Uh, okay, so in the episode, the lost tapes of last week's episode. Yeah, because someone forgot to put it on SoundCloud. Well, it was a mess of them. It was a tough a, week. A lost, Zimmer. the lost, lost media. Uh, but <laughs> forever gone. But no, it's the records not. remain. I, I still have it. Oh well, maybe you'll hear that. I don't know. But our records after last week, uh, Andrew. Still leads, 85 wins, 20 wrong. Uh, I'm three games behind at 82 and 23, and then Justin is the caboose at 79 and 26. So we're all three games apart. But compared to last week, you've all been knowledgeable. <laughs> Correct. It's well, a respectable standing there. Last week, uh, you know, Justin never kept track of ours when we were doing it. <laughs> so we That's why we got him outside the glass. Last week, <laughs> last week, I was still three games behind Andrew, but Justin was only one game behind me. So, uh, the games that we all got right and wrong, uh, Justin, you said you said Charlotte over ODU. I did, and then you also Bad said Louisi- Louisiana Tech over Rice. Well, that lot, that lot takes out the coach fight, so that doesn't really matter anymore. all of us got UTSA and FAU wrong. 
we guessed mm. wrong on those. Games. Yeah, it's expected though. Yeah, Nobody so would have thought North Texas again, would do that. Now you, well, you took UAB uh, two weeks ago though. <laughs> I, I'm saying North UAB Texas is to upset. Ten times better than North Texas. Yeah, I, I agree, but uh, UAB should have won that football game. I ranted on last week's yeah. lost file about how UAB should have won file, that game. Yeah. I do too, but I just forgot to upload okay, it. Okay, we can upload it. I'm tonight. just saying. UAB should have won that football yeah, okay. game, Justin. But, all right, Ben, what, what do you think about the championship here? Thoughts, mm. prediction? Western Kentucky. They're going to win the game. I, I say Western Kentucky's got this. I mean, UTSA has been really up and down in the latter portions of the season, and then they lost to North Texas. I mean, they're they're kind of on they're, – they're sloping downwards. Meanwhile, Western Kentucky has only continued to gain momentum as time has gone on. And once that offense is unleashed, you know, no matter if it's an away game or uh, a home game for for Western, I believe it'll be a away, right? They'll be playing. Yeah, they have to go to the dome. They have to go to the dome, yep. but I don't think that makes a difference. I mean, that that offense is just so strong that uh, I got Western Kentucky winning it. That offense is just going to plow through the Roadrunners, and I think Western Kentucky will win the game. Zimmer, go ahead. All right, I get to go. All right, this is tough. You know, can, these these are the two best teams in conference USA, and you know I think it's been proven about the season. So it's great that they get to collide with each other champ- on, on on Friday night for the championship. But after, my concern with UTSA is, uh, is Frank Harris. Is he good to go? So and after seeing Zappy last week, you say he's putting up Heisman like numbers. Even though he won't win the Heisman, I think he'll have his Heisman-like moment and lead the Hilltoppers to the Conference USA Championship. I think UTSA, without Harris, they're going to struggle. So give me Bailey Zappi and the West Kentucky Hilltoppers, but this game's going to be close. It's going to be close. Nick, I'll let you go last. I'll make. I'll go ahead and make my uh, prediction, give my thoughts here. A rematch, because Western Kentucky played UTSA yeah. week one, kind of the first official week of the Conference USA football season, 152-46. So, I don't know what the over on points is, but probably take that in this game. But what uh, I found want, interesting... You want the over? Sure. It's uh, I just, I just, 72.5. Yeah, oh, that's low too, but it is a championship game. But when you look at this matchup and, and the storylines heading in, obviously it's a hot Western Kentucky team. That's won a bunch of football games here down the stretch since that loss. They've gone one, seven one straight. Their last five. Yeah, seven straight wins in yeah. conference play since the UTSA loss. So this was a team that started to play some good football and has been rolling. And then a UTSA team that's really struggled, not really struggled, but really struggled against North Texas, banged up a little bit in that rainy game in Denton last week. So how does this has that team recover? I'm going to go Western Kentucky, too. I think when you go back and look at that game, UTSA had a lot of success on offense, and so did Western Kentucky when you look at the numbers and the yards gained from both sides. And Zappi had a field day, and so did Harris. Uh, But I think Western Kentucky's defense has improved each week. D'Angelo Malone was a force this past week against Marshall. And when you look back at the numbers, this is a team that's not allowed more than 21 points since the UTSA loss. 20 to Old Dominion, 19 FIU, 13 Charlotte, 21 to Rice, Marshall, and Middle. The defense has locked in at all three phases. That's why I think the Hilltoppers get it done. It's going to be an offensive game. You're going to see probably a a bunch of points, but I think Western Kentucky makes defensive winning plays to defeat the Roadrunners in their building. Nick, what do you think? Well, I I am a little bit concerned about how UTSA ended the season. You look at it, kind of a close game there is Southern Miss. 
Uh, obviously, the loss last week, and we don't know what Frank Harris's status will be. Um, but presuming he plays, I'm going to take the Roadrunners. And I think one reason I think the Roadrunners could get this win is the running game. You compare these two teams on the ground, you know, Western Kentucky really isn't a threat to run the football since Sierra McCormick is obviously mm-hmm. the best running back still, I think, in the conference. So I think. I agree with you, man. Uh, that could be a difference. And also, even if Harris doesn't play, they could then kind of uh, formulate their game plan to be more run-heavy and maybe keep the ball out of Zappi's hand. But overall, it should be a shootout either way. I'll go with the Roadrunners, mainly because everybody else picked Washington hockey. I can't pick the Hilltoppers to win at all either. That's fair. Well, here's the thing, though. Not only do we get you to back on Inside Conference USA, Nick, but you give us a different perspective because all three of us knuckleheads here are saying Western Kentucky, but in reality, it's our it, it's not the guest we have on, but the expert of Inside Conference USA who helped get this show started. That's going to be correct this week, right? Uh, I mean, look, and the Roadrunners are at home. Now, I know it didn't matter last year, but I think being at home gives you that advantage that should be allowed uh, stadium there now. I would yeah, have to look at weather, but obviously it's in a dome, so that won't matter. Uh, but I, I think the Roadrunners pull it out. Yeah, you know, they've kind of been a team of destiny. I think this year. I found this interesting. UTSA started out, I think, as two or three point favorites. The line moved all the way to Western by three. So uh, maybe that and, is with the Harris injury and, that could and factor it could change in or what. Friday. And it certainly could. But I found that interesting when I first saw it. It was UTSA three all the way to Western Kentucky, so it's shifted by six points. But, Nick, thanks for coming on and taking some time. I know you're a busy guy there, professional and all, uh, but thanks for taking the time, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, buddy. Oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, Also, you know, I got a big game this week, so Shepard will travel to Kutztown for a 12.05 kickoff. Semifinals? Yep, Uh, quarter. Quarter. I'm a step ahead. Regional championship. The great thing about Division II football, you get 28 teams in the playoff. So uh, there's some excitement there. That one kicks off at 12.05. You can tune in on Talk Radio, WRNR TV, and YouTube. Listen, we've got a game Saturday at that time, Nick. Are you promoting other people to not listen to our station? No, you want to listen to the herd. Who's the herd got? We've got herd women's basketball versus Coppin State. Of course. You know, you listen to the herd, you pull up the YouTube on your television. And you get the best of both worlds. Fair and enough. Coach Kepper's team, you know, won this year. Correct. All right, Nick. Got to go. Th- thank you, buddy. Thank, thank you, guys. You. All right, so that does it for Inside Conference USA. For Nick Verzellini, Ben Cower, Justin Zimmer, I'm Andrew Rogers. Stay tuned. We have Sports Buzz next. Thank you for listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Tune in again next Wednesday at 5.30 for another episode.